This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We are estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven women that are killing it in life. And they deserve to be celebrated. So on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and then in between those interview episodes, we'll be doing segments where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be (laughs) chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s, and just learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun, and we We have a super multicultural community, and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Hell yes. (laughs) Um, Also, we'll be answering listener questions, so make sure to write to us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, so let's jump into the show. Hi friends. Hey. So something really great about our career is that we get to work with really cool, hilarious women that we oftentimes become friends with. But because our relationship begins as a professional one where we're in our element, we oftentimes don't get to see them in their element. So, honestly, it's one of the parts that I love about the podcast is learning more about our friends and being able to say, bitch, you did that? (laughs) (laughs) So, our interview with Karen Esprea is so much fun. Karen was introduced to us by a friend of the podcast, Sabrina Rowe Holdsworth. And I should start by saying this is actually our second time interviewing Karen during the first one. It was so great because we spoke about Robert Moses and social equality and the future of public spaces and livable art, but um, I'm an idiot and (laughs) was just (laughs) learning how to use our handy Zoom and I crossed the wire. So when I got home to re-listen to it, it was all static and I was heartbroken, quite honestly. Yeah, it didn't record. Yes. (laughs) Idiot. So... Uh, We did two tests this time around and learned a whole lot about that's why people do audio tests before hitting play and running away. That is a thing. So Karen Esprea is an incredible interior designer and she, well, you guys are going to see she's really incredible. Yeah. And this time we spoke about her childhood growing up in Brooklyn and most importantly, the inequities of women and men in male dominated industries, specifically construction and architecture. Industries in which she is a woman amongst men and is at the top of her field. 
Also, Karen's fucking hilarious. She's so funny, and we have so much fun hanging out with her. She's so kind and so, so smart, and she really opened up my eyes to a world that we knew nothing about, really, because we mainly work with women. I purposefully only work with women, but it made me think of all of the other incredible women that are out there breaking glass ceilings, Dealing with misogyny on the regular, I can't even believe, yes, honestly, and you guys do it all so that us, our generation, and our daughters even have a chance at excelling in these fields. So guys, thank you so much, because... Yes, thank you. Yes, honestly, talking to Karen, she's so great and so funny that once we did start to speak about more serious things, and even more so when I googled her, I was like, wait, our friend is a bad bitch, and is at the top of her field, so... Yeah. Also, her mom is Debbie on um, Say Yes to the Dress. Oh, my God. And you know we love generations of bad bitches. Yeah. So, <laughs> just saying. Anyway. Anyway, guys, without further ado, here's our interview with interior designer Karen Esprea. I can't wait for you to hear. We'll see you later. Enjoy. So my name is Karen Esprea, and I'm an interior designer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing this for about 13 years in New York City, you know, five boroughs, plus Miami, New Jersey, and some clients on the West Coast that I have. And, um, you know, I love what I do. Will you tell us where, like, take us on the journey to becoming the fabulous Karen Esprea. So if you don't mind just starting at the beginning, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, in like the Bay Ridge area of Brooklyn. And my family, um, you know, they're Italian. They immigrated here. So my dad's side, I'm, I think I'm technically first generation on that side. And so, you know, we lived in like a very like Italian household, a lot of people in a small house, a lot of food. Mm-hmm. It sounds so fun. Mm-hmm. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> love, love food. Part of what I think inspired me go like if we go all the way back and I can talk about one of my early like furniture traumas. Yes. Was that? <laughs> I don't know if this is um, in every culture, but in. The Italian culture, it's commonplace to cover all of your furniture in plastic. Okay. Like, custom-made plastic that my grandmother would, like, Windex. And yes. Like, I, okay, I don't know if I've seen it in person. I've definitely seen it in person. We had this in my grandparents' house for 100%. Did you? Yeah. Um, I thought that Did this was normal. Did they Windex it? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Did they Windex I was really young. I don't remember. Probably. I mean, how else do you clean it? Because, right, how, right, logically, <laughs> how else would yes, you... I love that that sticks out in your memory, though, no, the windexing of the couch. It's a memory that it I have very just, spun, too. Yeah. So, it wasn't just the plastic that was on top of, like, the fabric upholstery. They actually had the, um, the top of the couch had, like, wood gilded, like, in gold, and the custom plastic was fitted to the wood and like wow. gold leaf and they I went in the, yes <laughs> no truly and I remember as a child it being like you know those really hot New York summer days and just oh. getting stuck to that oh sofa. your yes. thighs I was just like even like in my seven-year-old mind I knew that this was not good right 
<laughs> and so noisy. Like, so much also, noise right. getting on and off the couch. So you can never just, like, lay on the couch and be, like, comfy cozy. That's not what the couch was for. These couches weren't for being cozy. They were for guests and for mm. your dirty fingers to not get on them. I can only That's speak right. for my own grandparents. I mean, not... <laughs> but no, yeah. truly. Right. Like, right? we weren't really allowed to, like, you know, mess anything up. I mean, to the point where my great-grandmother would back out of a room with a vacuum so that all of the carpet was going in the same direction. Wow. Yes, I love that. Maybe that's why you're so type A. You know what? We're discovering things right now. Because <laughs> that is serious. Yeah. It's genetic. <laughs> was it one of those rules? It was one of those vacuums like that didn't... It wasn't uh, electric, right? I'm just guessing also. I'm picturing this in your house. Like one of those... Like rolly ones that made a yeah, roll. Yeah, like one of the rolly ones. Yes. Yeah. It had like a big square like yes. plate on like a long... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Did your grandparents have them? They did, yes. And I need one of those for here, I think. Why did they ever get rid of them? Probably didn't work very well. I'm sure that there's probably still one in your parents' house somewhere in a closet. Maybe. That you can reclaim. I'm going to... Or your mom's like, we use that. (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we've had this since 1960. It's like, what were they saving it for? And I don't expect you to answer this question. It's just kind of more of a hypothetical. It's like your plastic, you're shrink wrapping it for what moment? Like, what moment can we actually enjoy this couch? And I mean, they did this with a lot of things. Like, it wasn't... Not that they shrink-wrapped everything, but they they had this, like, this mentality of, like, preservation. And, like, they came here shortly after the war. And so, like, we weren't allowed to throw any food away. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to eat out at restaurants at all. That was, like, not a thing. Yeah. And everything in the house that they bought when they came to this country was literally preserved in plastic. Like, every piece of furniture. Yes. And I don't know if it's because they came from another country where, like, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe they came here and they felt like we bought all this new stuff and we have to, like, keep it this way. Totally. Like, how long are we going to – when can we buy something new? How long does this have to to last? And probably I would imagine it's something about just – something about, like, assimilation and showing, like, look, we're clean, like, we're neat, like, type of situation – I don't know. I, I'm not an immigrant, but I can only imagine yeah. as somebody who's like an outside. I'm not an immigrant, but I, I know what it's like to try to fit into the right. norm, right? All the, the lengths that you go to to be like, we're good people. Don't worry about it. Right. The yeah. couch is clean. Exactly. <laughs> Our couch is so clean. Even the plastic on it is super clean. Could not be any cleaner than it is right now. Yes. I mean, they so badly wanted to be identified as Americans. And I remember mm. my grandmother telling me that that she didn't want to speak Italian at all and she learned English as fast as she could and she didn't want to be she didn't want to be recognized as an Italian right so and I was like well you have a gold sofa that's (laughs) not helping (laughs) grandma they know (laughs) that like from very early I remember having like a real issue with this plastic covered furniture And then, and I think we've talked about this in the past, you know, my dad was a contractor. And when I was a kid, we watched a lot of Bob Vila Home Again. That was part of my, I mean, really, it's so Part of your curriculum. (laughs) Part of my curriculum, yes. (laughs) And when I would get in trouble or when, you know, us kids needed something to do, he would like make us spackle the sheetrock and like paint the walls and like do like these tasks with him i love that 
And that kind of gave me an appreciation. I mean, at first it was kind of like, like, why? I'm eight. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> but ultimately, I think it gave me an early appreciation for how, like, pieces get fit together. Like, there's actually, like, a, like you see a finished piece of drywall that's painted, but there's, like, things behind that, you yes. know, that, like, yeah. make it that way. And so I had an idea of that, like, a very young age and understood yes kind of construction yes i mean that's super cool well it's cool that's because so... i think that that's kind of a metaphor for like life right just like they, like look behind what you see especially american life not everything is exactly what it appears look a little bit deeper and see all of the things that go into making that happen yeah no absolutely and you know and i think it's interesting i don't mean to like get like woo woo or anything let's do it but you like woo woo I once had my cards read by somebody who is, you know, pretty well known. And they told me that in a past life, I must have done something very destructive because I've dedicated my life now to constructing things. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I hope I didn't do anything terrible. Like, that sounds like intense. And they were like, well, you know, you've, de you've literally dedicated your life to building spaces right like construction so in a past life you did something very destructive oh interesting that's so nice. yeah eerie i know yeah like, how bad was feeling. it like what the hell well, that's what yeah. i was like <laughs> how bad could it have been that i yeah. literally have dedicated my whole career my whole life to building spaces for other people like i must have done something terrible so i'm repenting now <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess there's, there's a lot of people then out there. There's a lot of construction in, um, well, in this, right? just the city alone. So you're not alone. Right? That's Lots true. of people yes. fucked up in their past life. <laughs> That's true. Right. That makes me feel a little bit better. And you're a good designer. Probably bad design, like bad people come back as bad designers. Do you know? Mm, there you go. There's a lot of that going on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there you go. I wish I knew more about the industry so I could make a, a cute little quip. I know. You're the only designer I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so dad had you spackling at eight, and yes. um and that kind of introduced you to the idea of construction, both construction and deconstruction, right? Like seeing all the pieces that go into creating something, and then what was next for you? I was always very um, creative and artistic. Like I think that at an like even at an early age, like my family, bless them they never pushed me to like do anything that I wasn't genuinely interested in. Like I was always painting and like sculpting and drawing and they always gave me all the art supplies, like anything that I wanted, they gave it to me. And, you know, I feel like maybe some other families or wouldn't have nurtured that, you know, they would say, Oh, well, you know, that's a hobby. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Unless you come from a creative background with somebody who's successfully creative, I would imagine, especially, and again, I don't want to speak for, uh, I'm not an immigrant, but I would imagine, especially as an immigrant family, they, you guys came here for a better life and some stability, and that's kind of the opposite of creativity. So that's awesome that they, I guess, believed in you too enough that like you would figure it out, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they really did. And I, you know, I, really appreciate that and I totally will give them that I mean my family the business that my family brought here was butchery they're butchers oh wow so like you could not be like further apart very practical that's a very practical 
skill and I mean, probably yeah. one that most people don't want to do for this like the specific the job right like who wants to cut up animals for a living but it's very practical every um neighborhood needs a butcher you have to eat we're humans right especially yeah up until recently everybody ate meat that's right <laughs> i mean that you know that was that was their business so it's really and it is like a very pragmatic business and they did well because you know it's one of those industries that you know will flourish no matter where you are because as you say people need to eat um so you know they always nurtured my artistic you know desires which it was great um i went to um Leon M. Goldstein High School, which is on Kingsboro Community College. They have a small high school on their campus. Oh, cool. And it was a very kind of like liberal, small environment. There was only maybe 100 kids in my graduating class. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, it was a very small high school when I went there. Now I think it's, you know, I think it's bigger. Um, But they had um, a really great art program and... Basically, they didn't, they also, like, I stopped my math, maybe I shouldn't divulge this, but I didn't take any math beyond algebra, ever. Yeah, isn't that funny how arts will do that? I mean, high school, I didn't do that, but in art school, yeah, I took, like, art school uh, algebra, and we were just talking about it today, almost failed it twice. It's bad. I didn't even, I mean, I went to Pratt, you know, after that, and there, I only took classes that pertained directly to my major yeah but that's what's so cool about new york city and new york city high schools is there's so many incredible specialized high schools Mm -hmm. um and there's so many high schools that are part of colleges that i didn't even i never even heard of that before you know 30 years old when people are like oh i went to like st john's high school it's part of like st john or even hunter i think most Mm -hmm. of the major cuny schools have a high school also that's attached to it, which is incredible. And it makes so much more sense to me to have these specialized schools instead of just like, well, you have to go to this one because this is the one in town. Yes. Well, great. I mean, my mom drove us there every morning. She put us in the car and drove us like 35 minutes to to get to that school and back. Um, And it was a great high school, amazing high school. And they let us use the college like facilities for like science and like lab classes. That's so damn cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a really, I think that I was like the fourth or fifth graduating class. Like it was a new, when I went there, it was new. Yeah. That's awesome. So cool. So it sounds like you're always naturally drawn to the arts and just continued to explore that throughout high school and throughout college, obviously. So for you, was it always interior design or was it sort of like maybe arts as a whole and then sort of getting into figuring out what it was that you wanted to actually do within the art community so when I got to when I when I applied to Pratt and got in I went in as a graphic design major um because for me art was always two-dimensional like something that gets drawn on paper in my mind. So that made, that was like a natural transition. I said, okay, well I'll do like graphic design and, you know, communications, um, like advertising. Right. And, and like illustration. So I went in for that and then I had to go into the industrial design building for something. And I went into the interior design department, which was part of that building. And I had like an aha like light bulb moment I was standing there and I was like oh my god all the lines here are straight they're Mm -hmm. all right right angles in this like beautiful white space with all these like just 
gorgeous muted colors that like I was just like what is this place and I literally walked down to the office immediately after that and changed my major wow and did you know about interior design as a career before that no that's so cool your world was completely blown open yeah no I like really I didn't like architecture is very visible right Mm -hmm. I mean that's something that we widely accept because you're out and about and you see buildings and like, but interior design and like the, what goes into actually being an interior designer is so layered and complex. And I didn't really think about it as like a career option. I didn't even, it wasn't even part of, you know, options as far as I was concerned until I walked in there and it kind of hit me where I was like, oh, I can take my two-dimensional art and make it three-dimensional and, like, occupiable. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. that's. I had a moment where I was like, oh, this is what Oprah was talking about. (laughs) Aha moment. (laughs) What she meant. Well, and I also love that you, you you stated yourself that you never took really any math classes, but the first thing you noticed was right angles. Yes. How interesting. I live by... If it's not a right angle, it's a wrong angle because <laughs> I don't want to see an angle. That's I don't want to see. I I just I don't like. I make some exceptions to that rule, but you know we saw a lot of design incorporating like you know kind of weird angles and like postmodern art, and that's just not my taste. So I, I'm not really I don't love that. And also, when it comes to interiors, when you have. Um, shapes that don't fall into 90 degrees it kind of wastes space like you get like weird weird pockets of space that are not um furniture isn't really built for like it's just not really practical right i never learned my mind thought of that whatsoever but also whenever i would see like a roundhouse yes it would always look cool but i would always wonder that it's like one what does the interior look like and two is that such there, there must be so much space that's unused, wasted. that's wasted, because think like coming around that curve, like what's come. Totally, I've thought about it before, but I'm an esthetician, not a mathematician, so I'm just <laughs> like in one ear out the other. Never thought about it much more than that. But that makes perfect sense what you're saying. Even round tables, like where do you put a round table? It has to go in the middle of the room because it doesn't fit into a space or ah oh, yes. Right. And since we're in New York, I mean, since the majority of my design work happens within the five boroughs, I mean, as you can, I mean, you you guys know that space is limited. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Who needs a round table in New York City? Yeah, no. Who needs any table? I mean, now you do, but we, you know, go out to eat. I mean, yeah. True. I thought she was going to tell us some like secret table stuff. Like, oh, all you have to do is put it on the wall and just let it fall down. Okay, so you're in the interior design, in the industrial design department. Life has changed, changed a major. Um, What was next for you? So I did the study abroad program with Pratt. They have a, like a companion school in Copenhagen. Mm. So I went, um, I did a a summer semester in uh, Denmark. And then we did architecture tours in Sweden and Finland, which was I mean, really just change the way that I look at everything and have really, like, applied that Scandinavian um, minimalist, like, design aesthetic to my entire practice. Mm. 
So what is, I've, I mean, especially these days, I think because like article and Ikea, you keep hearing this phrase like Scandinavian minimalist design, which I mean, I think that you can kind of probably imagine it just saying it, but what does, what is like the actual, I guess, historical context to create that? idea. I think a lot of it has to do with marketing. I mean, yes, you can call minimalist furniture Scandinavian. And I don't know if sometimes that like leans into like marketing techniques to kind of like entice buyers. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you really look at Scandinavian design, they truly believe in um, function over form. Like, the form has to serve a purpose to like its most basic function. And that's why their design is minimal. Like they're not putting adornments on their furniture that are not structurally necessary. That makes sense. As opposed to what, what you were just saying, like in terms of architecture, like, like uh, classical architecture with like the column, I mean, granite columns, like there's a reason to have them, but there's a lot of ornate decor. That's a part of all of that. Right. That's just for fancy show. Right. So, like, you won't really see that in a lot of, like, um, Scandinavian design. They, you know, it's function over form. Right. That's, like, a basic, that's, like, one of the basic principles. So, but there is, like, truly beauty in that. Mm -hmm. Because you don't, you're not getting more than what you need, and you're you're getting exactly what you need. Yes. To serve the purpose. So. And, and, you know, because of that, all of the shapes and the forms are very, like, long and rectilinear and, like, kind of low to the ground. Proportionately, it looks nice in a room. It's easy on the eye. Everything looks very, like, chic. I mean, even furniture that was built in, like, the 50s still is, like, super chic. So Mm -hmm. I think it's there's something very classic about it to me. Like, it's not going to go out of style. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not not trendy. Yes. Right. Totally. Even though it is very trendy right now. Right now. now. Right. Right, Which is very interesting. That was, thank you for describing that because that makes perfect sense. And I never understood before why people, I just didn't get it. Right. Especially because Ikea touts itself as being, you know, Scandinavian furniture and because it's Swedish. But in terms of like function, what you're saying, it's, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it's like made really cheaply. Right. Like, does that go into like the same idea of like function over form in terms of just like the sustainability of it? Because that kind of goes into its function. Right. Is like how many times can you use these things or no? Am I just coming off on a tangent? Well, maybe. I mean, I think it's really more about like the aesthetic. Mm, but, okay. you know, I like they did like I remember we I went to the Ikea in Sweden. OK. And it's pretty much the same thing that we have here, except much, you know, bigger you know, more selection of items, but I think it's more about the aesthetic, but I hear what you're saying about like the sustainability aspects, because I think that people do view Ikea furniture as kind of like throwaway furniture. Right. And I don't really love that. Yeah. Because we want to try to avoid that. I mean, I repurposed so many Ikea pieces because I was just like, I'm not throwing this away. Like I refuse to throw this away. So then after that, I interned for a small boutique architecture firm in Vienna, Austria, um, for about six months. And then I came back here and I immediately started working for a development, um, an architect who worked for developers. So doing like high rise buildings. Okay. And after that, I worked for another company where we were also doing high-rise buildings. So it's an interesting thing to dedicate yourself to as an interior designer. There's not too many interior designers that focus on skyscraper 
an interior design for high rises. Yes. That's kind of a niche. Well, I started my own design firm in 2017. And in the last two years, I've really picked up my clientele. So I have my own, you know, studio and small staff. And I really take on like, you know, boutique, like higher end projects, private homes. Um, I do some high rises still, but mostly um, high end, like luxury homes. I got a few phone calls to do some like small projects. And then those people recommended me to their friends. And that's how I got like my next project. So it was like, I, you know, I started my, my own design firm from my living room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within a year, I had my own office and an assistant. And I was taking on like bigger projects. But um, I kind of like to operate under the radar a little bit. Like I do some like press things. My publicist is amazing. Like I love working with her. Her name is Courtney of Gotham PR. She's wonderful um but I am really like a word of mouth referral business which works out well yeah Yeah, absolutely when you first started out like and you're just by yourself how did you sort of like manage everything like how did you even I don't know enough about interior design but there's a lot of balls that are in the air I would imagine like with I mean with a residential let alone a high-rise just so many moving parts so how did you sort of like navigate all of that and like I guess like what was your first step somebody calls and they're like okay we love you we want you to come on board and you're like all right well it's just me but I can do this and then what so actually a really um a very good friend of mine her name is Linda she owns a company called Three Land Co and it's a women-owned business and they have a beautiful they have beautiful showroom at the a and d building she does all um italian and um like high-end luxury wood flooring they needed their showroom to be renovated and they wanted it to be like um like a gallery space Mm -hmm. so that was like the very first project that i took on completely by myself and i managed all of the construction and the design and dealing with, like, the building department and the filing documents and everything. And, you know, you'd be surprised at what you can get accomplished if you don't have anything, like, weighing you down. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, super true. I think that's probably what a lot of us are realizing in, like, this time of quarantine. Like, when all you have is time, like, yeah, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of mind space that you can use to get a lot of incredible things done no absolutely and like especially if you're the type of person that's like a planner Mm -hmm. and like uh you know you're organized and you know I I don't believe in like hand-holding really you know I'm kind of like a no-nonsense kind of like person in general so I like to cut through the fat and just like get to the like get to the root of the problem and like solve the issues and just move forward. Mm-hmm. Not with my, not with the design so much. Like I take my time with that, but when it comes to coordinating like construction issues and um, dealing with the contractors, like I, I just, I like to, you know, just move forward and not really have too much of an ego mm-hmm. about anything. Cause that will really trip you up. That's what I, I hear. That's a very New York thing. And I guess I've, all of us have really only lived here, but People who come to New York, they're like, oh, you know, I just love the New York attitude. Just no nonsense, straight to the point, no bullshit. And it's just so normal for us. But I'm like, how do other people talk? <laughs> like, how do you get anything else? 
But then I started to think about it, and it's like, yeah, in the South, people, well, you know, one thing means something else. Like, oh, bless your heart really means go fuck yourself, evidently. Whereas in New York, go yeah, fuck yourself I've means go that. fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We're very, very truthful. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. forthcoming. Yeah. Which, um, for your I, industry, has got to be such, so um, integral, especially for a woman in your industry, to just go for it and be like, look, exactly what you're saying, cutting the fat, no nonsense, no bullshit. I'm sure it brings a certain amount of respect in a male-dominated industry. I I always try. I don't mean to. Like, I don't want to sound sexist because I really, like, I work with a lot of different people in all trades. A lot of men who are, like, truly wonderful and contractors who have mentored me and, like, have really nurtured me in this profession. So, like, I don't, like, I don't want to, like, I'm not, I don't want to sound sexist, but, um you do kind of have to have that no-nonsense kind of attitude. And also asking for money and, like, being very um, upfront about that is something mm-hmm. that I had to, like, really get comfortable with. Oh, my God, you have to be so assertive. Mm-hmm. I need to learn from you. There's a lot of things that still make me mm. so uncomfortable, but it's, like, integral to just being a business owner and in, in wanting to grow and at any stage, like, just things that you just... Yeah, the things you just named. You just have to be, like, upfront about it and, and ask for it, right? Like, if you don't ask for things, people will, one, take advantage of you, or they just don't even know that you want it. I mean, right, money, everybody true. wants money. Everyone wants to get what they're <laughs> owed. But, like, you don't want more money or what have you or bigger projects or anything. Like, you got to ask. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, and also, like, sometimes I'll find myself in a situation where I'm just kind of like, well, if I was a guy, would I just ask for that? Probably. Yeah. And then you do it? Yeah. Ah. I like that. I know. I want to know how you get the nerve. Like, how do you... I don't know. That's such a stupid question. How do you get the nerve? (sighs) Yeah, I need to to train that muscle. Just Mm -hmm. do it. You just have to do it. Yeah. I mean, look, I I truly... Like, you, you know, you also own a business, and, like, you truly... You wouldn't be selling your service if you didn't truly believe in it. So, like... I don't think that anybody else should get to determine what your worth is. Preach. I just had to like, let that like <laughs> sink in for a second. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because right. that, that happens a lot, especially in the artistic communities. Mm-hmm. It's like, I would, I would never haggle with an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, love and a lot of people do. Yeah. And I think, that that's not really I don't think that's right no when people I've only had thankfully one person a man try to negotiate my price with me for uh like permanent makeup and I was just like dude you go into the supermarket and be like here I know it says seven dollars but I got five like who right what makes you think that this is appropriate and it's because you're speaking to a woman in that case, I believe that it was because he was speaking to Because exactly what you're saying. Would you ever speak to a man and be like, this is your price, but I want to pay this? Never. No, no. Never. No. Never, never. Yeah. No. So, like, that, and that's something that my mom would always say to me, like, when I was having a hard time, when I was, like, younger and, like, you know, 23 or 24. And, like, she's not a business person, really. You know, she's in sales. She's on that show, Say Yes to the Dress. Your mom is? Yeah. Stop. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. Wait, who is 
she, I don't, I've never seen that show, but now I need to know who your mom is so I can go and watch it. That show. <laughs> who oh, is, really? Which one is your mom? Debbie. This is so funny. Oh, you said you're I'm looking. <laughs> right? First name really only. Like, you don't need to know anymore. No. You don't need the last name. Yeah, well, we Just, know her last it, name also. I'm going to definitely recognize her because. That's so great. Oh, my gosh. That's your mom? Yeah. Shut up. Of course that's I know who she is. Well, I'm yelling. Sorry for yelling sorry, into the mic. I, I'm screaming. <laughs> I didn't realize it was so close to me. I am screaming. She looks so young. She's so cute. Yes. Love I it. I know her. This okay, is so this funny. Is so great. I don't know her, but you I'm going to watch it. You said it so casually. We're like, hello, she's a celeb. <laughs> she's been on that show for a while, and she's not like a business person or a career girl, but she's in sales, and like she kind of knows how things work. And she would always say to me, well, Karen, if a man would do it, you should do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are words to live by. Seriously. In 2020, 100%. Thanks, yeah. Deb. Words, Deb. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so you're a badass business lady, and you're at the top of your field in a male-dominated industry, and I'm not trying to recreate our conversation from last time, but I just feel like there's so many great gems that I wanted to touch on again. I wish that I took notes. I didn't. There is one story that stuck out to me of when you were in the elevator with that guy. Oh, yeah. I think that's an important little story to tell. So... Elevators seem to be in general. I mean, look, maybe other women like have not had this experience, but I have been aggressed in an elevator twice. And the first time was this guy. I mean, it's a small enclosed space. Like, you have nowhere to go, right? So, like, they kind of have like this. Anybody in there has like a power in a way. They're, there's only. Th- three or four feet, like, they're not big spaces. This guy looks at me up and down and tells me that my shoes have a dirty mouth. Oh my God. Fucking weird. I forgot about that nasty story. And I still, to this day, don't really know what that means. Like, who says that? I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, and please, they are just saying the most ridiculous things. Like, was he trying to get on you? What was his goal here? To make, to like connect the dots. Right? Like, let me just say something crazy. I know, but, like, what even? Yes. For the record, I was wearing flat, pointed ballet shoes that had a leopard print. I was not wearing, like, red leather pumps. Yeah, which, is, right. exa- like, which is exactly what I imagined when you were telling this story just now. I'm picturing, like, okay, so the girl's right, wearing, like, like these are dirty Louboutins, stripper shoes right? or something. No, you're like, these are my company <laughs> shoes. Right, you're like, hello. No, I was wearing, like, pointed, like, ballet flats. Like, they... It wasn't even anything that could have been 
the triggering. Yeah. I don't know why he said that to me. Oh, because that's his own personal situation. That was He's a got, trigger like, for all them. leopard, all velvet leopard all over his house. like a leopard something. Leopard thong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Ugh. But just to have to deal with to have to deal with that in a professional environment and take that yeah. with you for the rest of your day. It's just so I, I don't know what that would even be like because I we work in a female dominated industry. Like I've never I mean over the years I can count on one hand how many male coworkers I've had and only one of them was a straight male. Mhm. One in the 10 years I've been in this industry. Yeah. So I, I couldn't imagine being at work and having to feel like gosh, okay, I have to like kind of take things up a notch because of all these men that I'm, like, up against or working amongst. I don't know. It seems... Or just, like, how do you navigate that world? Like, how yeah. do you... It's even more so, it's, like... Because I have been in... Not nearly the same, because the power dynamic... Like, I've been... I used to bartend. And this is not the same as what you're saying. It's just the same as, like, a man saying something completely inappropriate to somebody that where it's, like, where am I supposed to fucking go with this? With that no, but all women... I mean, all women have experienced We all have this story, it. right? I was bartending, and this guy who's, like... I don't even yeah. know who he was. Maybe, like, the plumber. He was somebody who, like... I was working for somebody else. It wasn't a customer. It was just a place that I was, like, I don't know how to, how to handle this situation. I'm doing my job, bending over, doing something. And he says to me, like... Um, I'd be careful bending over like that around me if I were you. Excuse me? Oh, really? Exactly. And it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What makes you think that that's okay? Like, also, I don't even know who the fuck you are. I know that you're here working with my boss, an actual boss. <laughs> <laughs> so where does that leave me, the lowly bartender? Like, do you know, it's just such a fucked up power dynamic to put somebody in that I couldn't imagine you. And I don't know who this guy was, but whether he's... Uh, in a higher position or a lower position than you, you having to figure out how to deal with that and yeah. not seem and like a crazy woman. Exactly, and not and because what are you gonna say? This guy said this thing that was kind of weird, but I can't really figure out why it made me uncomfortable. Can well, you do right. something about that? I mean, I think and like okay, so that one was like that was an obscure and right. Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, how do I how do I justify that to another? person as yeah. being creepy you know? Yeah, know and then the second I mean there were multiple incidents but like this the other incident that really stands out in my mind that also happened in an elevator was um and this was more recent this was maybe like four years ago mm -hmm. so like in the recent past right like you're a grown um, woman at this point like I'm right exactly <laughs> yeah right and um, an owner's representative. So, like, basically, um, some clients have somebody that represents their best interests in, like, building a project so that they get all the correct contract. Basically, so that they don't get, like, taken by anybody, that everything happens the right way. So, it's, like, their their representation. Right. Like a lawyer, but not a lawyer. Right. Um, I was in the elevator so I took this guy, let's call him Glenn. I took him into the elevator to go upstairs. Uh-huh. Glenn. <laughs> took him in the elevator to go upstairs, and it was just me and him in there. And he turned around, looked at me, straight in my face, and asked me if I would be interested in having an affair with him. Just like that. What? Actual just like that's that. How that goes. That's how what? men get into affairs. And I will never forget that because at that, like, okay, so like four and years this, ago, you guys are on your way into a business meeting. We are on our way into the same conference room. Yes. What? What did the you fuck? Say? No. What I. The fuck? I said something like, 
no thank you come on like you're too i said you're old enough to be my dad ah, perfect good. Perfect. That's what I said yes. to him. Yeah. And I said, you know, I said, Glenn, no, thank you. Like, I'm not interested. You're old enough to be my dad. Um, the conference room is down the hall. It's the first one on the left side. Yeah. Boom. And that was it. But that isn't it. Because four years later, you still remember that exact everything about the way you felt. Do you know? It's like, and for him, that maybe that was it. He just wanted to see your response. He just wanted to know. Did he? But did he? I don't know. What if he said the very least exactly. he wanted to know? Oh, it makes me yeah. Because there's so many more questions. It's like, what? Glenn, what was your end game, Glenn? When you Glenn, were thinking this pretty young gal is gonna sleep with you, she doesn't want to see your saggy balls, Glenn. No, <sighs> whatever. I hate men. I sound like such a lesbian when I say that, but they're no, such I trash. Know. Like it was just such a weird. It was. I mean, literally, like really, I truly. He asked me like that point blank, and I gave him like a very dry response yeah but then had to go like sit in the same conference room and and talk business carry on and negotiate with business. that's right and he was okay with that he was okay with that yeah. totally fine doesn't phase him but yeah. you have to be the one who feels you know slightly uncomfortable and it was probably like a power play which Absolutely. is even more fucked up Absolutely. right it's probably just like let me see if i can like push this little girl around before i go and like I mean, who knows? That's the thing. There's Gross. so many more questions. Glenn. And you're not a little Gross. girl. I'm, obviously, I'm talking, like, from his stupid no, but, fucking well, asshole Ray, No, I, <laughs> I, hate I understand I hate exactly what you mean. And, you know, things like that happen. Or even, like, you know, one of my old bosses, like, was, like, I don't know what. Something happened with a client, but he took it to the next level and was, like, screaming at me. Screaming, like, to the point where, like, the whole office was looking and then I had to walk with him into a conference room and like give a whole presentation and like sell a project to a client oh my god and like these you didn't even these... try <laughs> which I know sounds so stupid and like no, I would have exactly and that's I mean I hate to say that because you're not supposed to ever cry in fucking business but like and I didn't exactly that's what I'm saying girl you're so fucking tough badass bitch god yes we need a bell. We need like a badass bitch alert. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I mean, look, there's a there's a time and a place for that, and yeah. it's not in the office. Only one time I had a client really, he made me cry. I'll admit mm. it. W- one person, and I never worked with him again. Yeah. Well, I just can't and I was that's still the norm. Young. I mean, I I, I can't. Business. Well, let me put it this way. This was my experience working with one company for a long period of time. So I can't really say that I've had this experience in other environments. Yes. Yeah. But I do know a lot of other women who have had the same and similar experiences in other environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine that working, it's probably similar with in most male-dominated Industries like finance, God, finance, I couldn't even imagine. Oh, no, thank you. I couldn't even imagine. Like, could not. I mean, yeah, you're in construction, girl, so there's like that other one. And I mean, at least like with tech, they're like nerdy kind of. So it's like there's a power dynamic, but it's also, I don't know, it's probably awful in tech, I'm sure too. I'm just making excuses. I'm sure it's awful in fucking tech. Also. Every industry has its like things, you know? Um, I think the construction industry is notorious for their behavior in general like you know even cat calling on the street yeah you know that's you see that all the time and like 
that's been an interesting thing for me when like, you know, you get catcalled and then you put on the hard hat and walk onto the same job site and they're yes. like, oh, that's that chick. Yeah. You know? That's something to know. But it's also something, exactly, totally. an industry they want to get into, it's a big thing to know, I think. A hundred percent. That's so you know, true. Not everyone can handle that. Yes, I couldn't. There is a lot of pressure. And I really tried to do my best. Like anybody that was working under me and that, you know, like I was managing, I always tried to tell them like, you know, if anybody says anything to you that you don't feel comfortable with, like, please tell me right away. Like, I'll take it. I'll absorb it. Yes. You know? Yeah. Because, like, I already have a thick skin. Like, I don't want anybody else to have this experience. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I can help it, you know, if I can, if I can help it. But I'm sure, you know happened anyway yeah totally um how has the pandemic affected your business if at all interesting question so there's a lot of moving pieces here it's affected my business in some aspects and then not at all in others um I was subleasing office space on Madison Avenue which was an amazing setup for me great address perfect location but the master leaseholder um, they gave up their lease. So I was just a subletter. So I lost my office, mm-hmm. which was probably like one of the biggest obstacles for me because now I have, <laughs> I'm a homeless designer. I have no office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of like go from project to project with like my, my bag of marble samples. And, you know, for now that is what it is. And I'm going to get a new office space in September, you know, after the summertime. So that kind of sucked because I really enjoyed having that. I was on 32nd street in Madison. I really, Mm -hmm. that was a really nice spot for me. I had a lot of interesting situations with my private clients. Um, I was redesigning a penthouse, um, a duplex, um, really beautiful apartment at um, one Brooklyn bridge park in the condo building there. And the owners went away and then we were in the middle of construction when all of this happened. So their home was a mess Mm -hmm. and the building wouldn't, didn't want to let my team in there to finish the work. And I, you know, it, it was a really tough balance between, yes, I understand that we're in a pandemic. However, if you go into the apartment and like stop the construction team from what they're doing every five minutes, they're going to be there longer and expose people more. And like, that's not good. I want to get them in and out as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And they were threatening to like shut it down. And I had to have, you know, a lot of like difficult conversations with not just them. This happened to a few of my clients with condo, condo boards and building management companies just to say like, look, it's not a safe environment. There's wires hanging from the ceilings. The gas is not connected. Like, you can't leave people's homes like this. Like this is unprecedented. Yeah. You know, and these people had children. One of the children is, you know, special needs. And like, it was just like, you can't leave them without a home. Like I understand. So like, there's a lot of those types of situations. And, um, you know, I, so stressful. It was very stressful because now I'm like, Oh my God, you know, these people have like no home to come home to. They're stuck. You know, they were like on the West coast somewhere and like, couldn't come home. Um, and you know, for children that can be very difficult, traumatic for kids, you know? And like, I, you know, I was like absorbing all of their stress, like freaking out on their, on their behalf. (laughs) Like, like, please let my electrician finish this. Um, but they did ultimately, I, I, um, you fought for them. 
Yeah. 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 I had to. Which sounds, yeah, it's another part of your job turns out. Yeah. I mean, I have to advocate on my client's behalf. I mean, my, my job is not just to like design and like hand them something pretty. It's to advocate on their behalf and make sure that, you know, they're getting the best deal possible that, you know, nobody is, um, taking advantage of them financially. Like I try to, I be, I'm the control point basically for everything. It's a lot to take on. Yeah. Shit. And then like the health and safety, I mean, which is what I think all of us as business owners are grappling with is like, how do you just keep everybody safe? Because nobody wants to be, nobody wants to get anybody sick. Do you know? None of us are crazy. Nobody wants to get anybody sick, but at the same time, there's things that have to get done. And so that ultimately like falls on your shoulders, right? You as the owner, like, do I put these people's health health at risk for the sake of the job or do so, we not? And, and like, know, there then, was a yeah. lot of, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of like those hard conversations too. And like what I said to my construction team was, if you're not comfortable, stay home. If you are comfortable, the environment, nobody lives in the apartment. It's an empty space. There's only, you know, we're limited to like three people Everybody wore masks and gloves. I arranged for private transportation for the most part. I mean, I tried my best to do that so that people weren't, like, getting on the subway and then coming into these buildings. So, Mm -hmm. like, yes, we did our best to keep everyone safe. And, like, you know, we even had to, like, I had to fill out massive paperwork, like, telling these management companies that I was taking the temperature of these construction workers. There is a lot of um, liability. Yeah, totally. How did you get around that? Did you just have, and I'll honestly, that's something that we're talking about right now is like, because there's no insurance, obviously, we're seeing everything starting to pop up across the country and we're supposed to open up on Monday and touch people for a living, which like we, I got to pay rent, right? Like we all need to, to yeah. pay our bills. So how do we keep ourselves legally safe? Um, because people are crazy, right? We want to assume that everybody's nice and they're all our friends until somebody gets yeah. sick and they go looking for somebody to sue. So I guess right. what I'm asking is, like, did you take it upon yourself to have legal things drawn up? Did you sort of um, have uh, assume that everybody was just not going to sue you? Like, if you're comfortable t- telling <laughs> that know. also, you don't have to answer that. I mean, when we think about this holistically, the question of a lawsuit Look, anybody can sue anyone for anything, right? I mean, this is America. We're in New York. Right. However, there is absolutely no way that anybody can prove how or when they got sick, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So, yes, anybody can pay their own money to sue you as a business owner. I mean, you... Right. And say, oh, I got, you know, I got sick at her salon. Right. Okay, prove it. Good luck wasting your own dollars. I mean, we're in the middle of something that's unprecedented. There's no way to prove that or track it or trace it. So from, like, that aspect, like, no, I'm not worried about that because I think that everybody understands that there's no way to really know that. And also... At your own risk, you know, like... Yo, yeah. the way you said that, you're so not worried that it just made me feel like way it less worried. You're just like, no, bitch, no, I'm not worried. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. Also, like, yeah. don't come get your vagina waxed if you're so freaked about yeah, getting sick. Totally. Right? Like, yeah. it's not a priority. Right. If you're going out to get your Brazilian, like, you know what the risks are. And right. 
I think that we're all, I think that everybody is fully aware of it. Are there like isolated incidents where there's like wrongdoing and maybe a lawsuit gets fought? Yes. Mm. But like walking into a retail storefront and like having your eyebrows waxed? No. Right. Yeah. yeah. Fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Karen said it. <laughs> I mean, I spoke to my lawyer pretty like extensively about this and you know Okay, cool. The, that makes me happy too. Someone could walk into your door and trip Yeah. And sue you. Yeah. They'd have a much better chance of winning that lawsuit. Yeah. I guess you're right. You're absolutely true. right. So true. It makes me feel way better. Way better. Know, people right? are just crazy. People are... And we'll sue for anything. <laughs> totally. And you see people like on Reddit coughing on people that are pissed off at somebody, so they like cough on a whole thing of tomatoes or you know what I mean? Just oh like my the God. craziest bunch of wackos. Bunch out of wackadoos. You were telling us about incredible stories, I think, about the wood that you source. Oh. So Lord. so that okay, so this comes full circle. So the first job that I had independently was for my good friend, Linda, who owns this company. Yes. The floor. Yes, yes, yes. So I, um, last year I went with her to Italy, to the mill to go like see how this wood is put together and like, you know, where it comes from. It's like wood flooring, Italian. The brand is called Lestoni Giordano. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's kind of expensive but it's not like crazy they have people that work at this company not people i'm sorry they have one person who goes out into the forest and picks the trees like i don't know if he like hugs them yeah he like smells them he just knows what tree is like the best tree wow wow and these are like super old yeah big huge trees yeah i want floors made from those trees how does i wonder is this this must be like a like an apprenticeship program right that's that's passed down it's incredible it's so cool and it's just the one guy that's going through and choosing these trees you love that's so it's not just so like they they cut down one tree and then they they shave it so that you get like these really thin layers of wood and that's what they make like the wood flooring with But then all the other wood, like none of it is wasted. Some of it Mm. goes to furniture companies that they make like table legs. And some of it goes to to make toothpicks. Like every piece of that tree gets used. Yes. I love that that too. That's really beautiful. Okay, so that's the one way that the pandemic has changed your business. I'm going off of the trees and back to what we were talking about before. Sorry, I'm flip-flopping all over the place. That's okay. So I think working remotely for me has been, has worked out relatively, like, well, um, because I'm just as connected to my clients, like, I spend just as much time talking to them, and, like, doing my drawings, and, like, you know, designing, the part of it that is difficult is usually I will sit down with my clients and show them the physical samples of material, like, the marble, the tile, the wood, like, everything, and, you know, they're, it's a tangible it has like its own kind of like characteristics and it's very very difficult to portray that digitally mm-hmm. so what I've been doing is ordering all of my samples and then I put labels on the back of them and I package it all up and I send it to them nice and then I have a conference call with them so that they can actually like touch them and feel them and have them and you know that's so yeah that's very smart yeah. So it takes a few extra steps, but yeah, I can it's imagine that'd be difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about all of the clothes that I've ordered online that it comes and it's 
the material looks or feels or you didn't know that it was ribbed and then it turns out it's ribbed. Just like little details that make mm-hmm. or break something that especially if you're right. spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars, I would imagine, yeah. in your home. And you're trying to have it like forever. Right. You probably want to know. Yeah. Right. So like that part of it for me has been a little bit difficult and also like not having the office space because if somebody was like, you know what, I'm not really crazy about this marble. I can always like run into my office and be like, here's three more. Right. And I can't do that right now. Yeah. So everything's a little like way slower, I would imagine. So certain aspects of these jobs are moving slower. Mm -hmm. Stressing me out a little. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Try to, like, imagine, like, you know, matching somebody's hair color or skin color or something through a Zoom meeting. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd send samples. Totally. And, you know, hold it up and be like, oh, yeah, this is the right one. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of similar to that. Yeah. Tiny nuances yeah. that make a huge difference or that you can't see through the screen for sure. Right. What about in terms of people starting new projects right now? Have you seen a lot of that? residential or commercial yes ah interesting yeah a lot or yes wow so the bigger buildings that I'm working on a lot of those buildings have components to them that are essential so some of them have medical facilities and some of them have daycare and like elderly care and so like those buildings were never stopped so those Mm. projects yeah kept going Um, We had to get, like, special permission from the buildings department. They, like, wrote all these letters, and, like, there was a lot of stipulations and a lot of paper. And then I am seeing a lot of new projects come online that are, like, renovations of existing lobbies, amenity spaces, lounges, that kind of stuff. Because there's a lot of planning and designing that takes place before the construction actually happens. Mm -hmm. So new projects could not be started like construction. Right. But now they can. But I've been planning this whole time so that we can pull the trigger. Oh, I see. And start the construction, like get, you know, get out of the gate running kind of. Right. Well, that's interesting, but I'm curious. I mean, I'm just a layperson, but I'm just so curious of how, like nobody knows anything, right? Like we don't know what tomorrow's going to be. We don't even know what next week is going to be. And so it's very interesting that something that is so uh, expansive and expensive is still going to kind of go through, like, I don't know who's buying. People are, obviously, but I don't know. I guess there's just, like, so many unknowns that it surprises me that so much construction is still moving forward. From the beginning, you and I have been talking about this, and you're like, girl, I'm busy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got a lot yeah. going on. And it's a little well, bit surprising, I guess, that it hasn't slowed down at all. Well, I mean, think about it this way. This pandemic situation has caused movement patterns that are irregular mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. There's been a lot of movement from New York City to all over the country because a lot of people gave up their apartments Mm -hmm. and went home or, you know, back to their hometowns. Totally. And then you also have a huge amount of people within the city moving because they've been stuck in small apartments that were fine when they were only sleeping there at night and Mm -hmm. working during the day. Yeah. And now... We don't really know what's going to happen. So we see a lot of people upgrading their apartments from studios to one bedrooms or from one bedrooms to two bedrooms Mm -hmm. or people that have had two or three bedroom apartments buying townhouses with like, you know, an apartment downstairs and renting the apartment because they know that they need some type of like 
income that's right. not paycheck that's not like based on a paycheck right so there's a lot of irregular movement yeah. in the industry yeah very fascinating more mor- mortgages were closed this month i mean there was some like record-breaking amount of home sales that's yeah. what that's my what... friends in real estate on long island like by where we grew up and she like the first week that she was allowed to show homes again she showed this one house. She showed it to 80 different people. An offer was put in and accepted within five days. She's like, that doesn't yeah. happen. I mean, over asking. All of the houses that she has sold in the last couple of weeks have been over asking price. I mean, people. Same thing as I'm sure you know. It's That's, crazy. Yeah. So I closed on a new house on June 15th. Wow. Congratulations. In... Congrats. Where? Thank you. It is. Technically, it's in Margaretville. I was going to say, oh. Narrowsburg! <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to get neighbors oh. out there. Oh was it tough? Were you up against a bunch of other people? This was so serendipitous. My So the town is actually Andy's. Unless you want to yeah, send yeah. me mail, it has to go to Margaretville. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Interesting. These are the rules. These are the rules. I don't make them. So my parents bought a house in Andy's, um, which is like two and a half hours out of like Midtown Manhattan uh, a few years ago. And it's so, so beautiful. We've been going up there regularly to like hang out with them and see them because this apartment is 600 square feet and it's small for, you know, small for us. We both are self-employed. So we're in the same space a lot. So we started actually looking in that area a while ago. We've put offers in starting the beginning of last year. Mm. And then I saw this house in January and I was like, oh my God, it's perfect. It has a barn. Like, I love it. It's like a really, really nice setup. Um, And someone outbid us. And then a few weeks later, the deal fell through and they called me. Wow. What luck. That happens often. That's awesome. Congratulations. That must be. Oh, so many like flip flops with your heart also. Oh my God. Right? Like. We signed the contract in the beginning of March, and we closed June 15th. Like, you don't... We couldn't get a title report because the offices in Oneonta were closed. Mm. Like, we had to wait. I was calling them up like a crazy person. Like, it doesn't help that my name is Karen, because I kept on calling them and, like, (laughs) asking them. (laughs) Like... Can I speak to the person in charge, please? They're like the manager. And I'm like, yes. This is Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. Having the name Karen right now must be interesting, right? It's not nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's crazy because we know like a couple of cool Karens, including you. Mm -hmm. We're just like, they are so not Karens. So it's like maybe they need to choose a different name. We can work on it. We can petition the uh, cultural zeitgeist if you'd like. (laughs) <laughs> See what I liked think. it better when we were blaming things on Becky. Yes, yeah. yes. Becky, I liked better because it was so like Becky's the younger version. Fair. No, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She's also like the Valley Girl who's exactly. kind of like exactly yeah, everybody. Everybody dipsy. hates Becky. Karen. Right. Karen means business. She's fucking serious. She's like, I want to speak to the manager. I guess that's why Becky wouldn't say that. No, Becky would. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I tried to explain. I tried to explain this to my mother, and I, you know, Karen is a meme. She, what's a meme? I explain oh what a meme God, is. Oh, my God, you really so had funny. to. So I, 
And then at the end of my explanation, she goes, well, you know, Karen, when I do need something done, you really do get it done very effectively. (laughs) Just like a mom. That's just like a mom, right? They're like, well, actually, it's a good thing. Actually, I like it. Look, the name Karen has not been marketed well since Goodfellas. That was, (gasps) true. 1990. True. Yeah. Well, there's some names that are just terrible. Beth is one of them. And that was my nickname growing up. I was always Beth, and I always was—I always knew it was shit. I just had to like listen to it, you know. Beth? Oh, I don't peg you as a Beth. I would exactly. call you Liz, probably. Liz? Yeah. Not a no Beth. Liz either. Do you Liz go by your full Beth. name? I do, but that's because I was always Beth, and I was like, Bleh, Beth, yeah. who's that? <laughs> and because well, my last name is Taylor, people would always try to call me Liz Taylor, and oh. you know, motherfuckers, <laughs> it's Elizabeth. I was like, it's not Beth, it's not Liz. <laughs> Because that's who Beth is. Beth is Beth. I hate her. She sucks. She's like the worst. And you know, well, okay, so, you know, my family, my sister's name is Lori. Uh huh. And I was like, we are like a off the boat family. (laughs) Why did you pick these generic sounding names? Like, they really wanted you to be American. You. That was it. Yeah. Karen and yeah. Lori. And Lori's younger than you? Yes. Like, she was Lori born in sounds like an older name to me. Maybe well, it's so like the Lori's Karen. I know are older, but so does Gary. Yeah, you both so should be 20 years older based right. on like, your name. Who looks at an infant? Yeah, and that's true. Lori, my little baby Lori, my little Karen. Karen. <laughs> no. Your mom did. It gets worse. It gets worse. I mean, shorten the names Karen and Lori in a Brooklyn accent. Care. Law. Law. Care. And Deb. <laughs> That's exactly. that. Those are them. Those are the names. Wait, what's your dad's name? Frank. I was like, let me guess, because I was going to guess and that was one of them. Frank is perfect. I love it. Oh, my God. I well, love it. it's Francesco, but he goes by Okay. Frank, Frank okay. Debbie, Lori, and Karen. That's all very yeah. Brooklyn. Those are all very, very Brooklyn, Brooklyn Italian. Yeah. Like, whoa! I, I honestly love it. Yeah, it, it works. They did a good job. <laughs> they did. Do they didn't job. know in twenty twenty. They, kept, 2020, to the right? they kept to the theme. They didn't know in twenty twenty, <laughs> and then the year of our Lord, we'd all turn it on Karens. It's not their fault. They could I not mean, predict it. So when I was younger, I actually took issue with my name because there's not too many female names that end in a consonant. Ah, that is such a hilarious thing to take issue with. There aren't. I was. <laughs> you are your great grandmother's great granddaughter. Like with the the carpet. My name ends in a consonant. Wait a second. I can just imagine like looking through like the names, <laughs> doing calculations. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you but okay, but hear me out. Yes. Hear me out. Most men's names begin and end in consonant. It's a very masculine. Karen is a masculine name. Mm. You end in a consonant, and so do I, though. Right? Alex, Elizabeth, X and H. And yes. N. Yes, but that's not common. Think of any other women, female names. <laughs> like, I can't yeah, everyone I know ends, it, Yeah. Um, well, that just makes us the three bad bitches, doesn't it? Bad bitches with the consonants. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, most women's names, like, Ashley. You Terrible know. name. I don't I think of all my friends' names, all my female friends' names, they all end in either uh, an E that's or true. Y. That's true. Uh I'm trying to think God, I'm like Sabrina, Jessica. Do I have any other friends? 
I know. I'm like, oh, other my than my, four my other sister Alexandra. <laughs> right. I guess you're right, Cassandra. You know, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it consonant though. I like uh, it. I like to be different. Yeah, we're different, yeah, guys. I, mean, I would. I would feel better about embracing it if the internet wasn't. Um, I know. Looking, wasn't wasn't done a, on a witch hunt. <laughs> so what um where can the people find you and your fantastic work i feel like this was a hilarious episode that kind of just like went all over the place but i dig it i do i really dig it i forgot she's an interior designer so you can go on my website it's karen um or you can look me up on instagram it's karen studio um you know i only keep like a very small amount of my work on my website because I'm designing people's private homes, so I don't like to put people's... You know, I, I, I respect their privacy, so, you know, if anybody wants to see, like, a much larger portfolio, I send those privately. Okay. Good to know. I would like to see one, so I'll... <laughs> we would like a I'll portfolio. get in touch with you. Um, I am happy to send one. And uh, we got to get drinks. We have to have a martini sometime soon, especially oh my God. to celebrate I would months. love that. Thank you so much for talking with us for a second Thank time. You. It's always of such course. a pleasure, though. It's I needed a great laugh. Yeah, this one recorded, we promise. Yes, this one definitely okay. recorded correctly. We did two tests previously. Just <laughs> turns <laughs> out that's why people Listen, test audio. She was so I'd be happy. She told me. So, I felt so bad. So bad. It's okay. I'm happy to talk to you guys anytime. Oh, we'll talk to you soon. You're the greatest around. Thank you, you for having. Thank you so, so much for everything. Thank you, ladies, so much. This was really, truly a pleasure. You're both so, so wonderful, and I oh. cannot wait to come back and have my eyelashes done. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you all loved that interview as much as we did. Um, honestly though, how the hell have we managed to find not one, but two really cool Karens? I know, especially in this time. <laughs> I'm like, I feel bad that the Karen stereotype exists. Oh, and I love that both of them, it was pretty much like within two weeks that they were both just like, so here we are. You guys are interviewing a Karen. Named Karen. <laughs> but they're really doing it for the Karens. They're, they they're are. They're that two the bad bitch Karens. Really only one Karen had to worry about it this one it's true she really did (laughs) anyway but not only is this karen super cool but she truly inspires me to go with your gut she switched majors in a flash and she just went with her fucking intuition and that's not always easy to do Mm -hmm. especially really young yes young totally you don't know that you're supposed to follow your intuition especially when you find a career that you didn't even exist to before she had no idea even what she was looking at she just legit followed her intuition and said there's something here that's calling me I just got to go with it yeah and I mean being a woman in a male-dominated field sounds so intense and for me it's not even like male-dominated field it's like I've never even had male co-workers I've been in the skincare industry since I was 19 right I have had male co-workers and didn't like it too much Yeah, (laughs) but also like Karen I mean I know that I joke and said that wait you didn't even cry and that probably doesn't you know bode well for women but honestly it's just for anybody let alone a woman like probably the only woman to get screamed at by her high-powered boss and then go about your day like for anybody to deal with that is just so brave let alone a young woman amongst men and that's why she's a badass. That's why. And as and even it more is. so, dude, she just so just like, and yeah, none of that had stopped I just kept her. going. It didn't none stop her stopped at all. Her. When I said, dude, you didn't cry, she was like, bitch, no, you don't do that. Like, right. She was 
I love this girl. She, she's so inspirational. Yeah. I she's can't wait a, to have that opportunity. She really made a name for herself, and she's faced a lot in doing that. And totally. I, I really, I mean, I love chatting with her. She's also just really fun. Yes, and we're going to the barn, but we got invited to the house, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I really can't wait to, I mean, all of these women, we've got to have a, a little party once yeah. we can all congregate again and celebrate can the you dopeness that all is. all of these women get to meet each other? Like, what the It's going to be too be much like? power. There's gonna just going to be, gonna be like a glowing gonna orb cry. above Brooklyn of just, like, bad bitch power. Don't cry. I've been true. Okay, we can cry. I'll cry. See you everyone together. Oh, guys. Um, hope so, you enjoyed that, though. Yes. And we, what can we tell the people? We're back here. We are at the open. studio. We're open. Monday to Friday. Monday, Friday, we also do in-home services. I don't know if we've yes. ever mentioned that before, but right before COVID actually happened, we were rolling out our in-home service program. So if you live in New York, if you live in Brooklyn, I should say, we offer in-home um, bikini waxes, in-home brow services. I mean, granted, we probably will come to Manhattan, but the price isn't going to be what you see online. We're yeah, trying to keep different. it like somewhat quote-unquote affordable it's not the same price as coming to the studio obviously but we're living in a different world and really for the price that you used to pay to go to the super fancy salon we're going to come to you yeah in manhattan it's going to be the ultra ultra fancy salon but (laughs) we will come to you but it'll be us it's going to be us and you can be in the comfort of your own home you can be in your slippers we're wearing masks and uh it's be on a call you can be on a meeting call a meeting call but yeah that's um, that's what we're doing over here. Yeah. And you can book that at TrueBeautyBrooklyn.com. Yes. And we still have all of our regular in-studio services except for facials. Those are not allowed yet. Yeah. Um, you cannot receive any services that involve removing your mask. I so oh, I miss it so Not much. yet, but soon, I hope. And, we all um, hope soon. And thank you guys then, for emailing and saying that you miss our facials and asking when we're going to be able to do it. We will let you all know. We're going to send out a group email. I, I know that part of it is just like being touched by another human, which is crazy to live in this world where it's just like, know. you know, that little bit that brings us back to normalcy. I miss facials. I miss facials too. But other than that, check us out on Instagram. Yes. True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. At True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. I'm not going to lie, guys. The At True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast Instagram is kind of whack, but the True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast is pop it pop. Podcast. The True Beauty Brooklyn Instagram. <laughs> the podcast is popping too, but yes. the True Beauty Brooklyn Instagram. And there's podcast info on our like regular Instagram. Totally. And oh my God, we're gonna start showing up there more often and doing segments yeah. weekly. Coming on there weekly to, to do fun segments. Faces. Oh yeah, you guys are gonna see us. Right? We look alright. Looking pretty good. Looking pretty. I'm in my prime pretty. apparently because I'm in my early 30s. So. Yes. Oh yeah, sexual prime. All the primes. Anyway, all the primes. All the primes. Anyway, guys, that's it from us. We love you. Keep listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.